0: We have bellied back up to the bar. It seems like every couple of days you're getting to enjoy the smooth and silky sounds of my voice. We just had, if you missed it, folks, we had Jermaine Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday doing our special episodes of, uh, after the lights go out. So, Hey, look, if you know any division one athletes, somebody who's been played a pro sport or played college sports and couldn't go into that pro level, we're looking for guests for that show. I want to talk to those kind of people and, Discuss with them, hey, when you were knew you were done playing that sport anymore, how did you address it? What was life like for you? How was And it fits right in with this. What was your fitness level like? How did you maintain, you know, since you were kind of fictional fitness, fitness and now you had to be into real fitness because being a pro athlete is not real fitness, folks. If you've never trained like that, that's not real fitness. Trust me, that is functional fitness for a sport. And that fits perfectly in with our, our guest today. It's her. It's her playground. I feel like that was a band's name. I feel like that was. Was there a band, Marcy's Playground?
1: There yes. was uh, Sex and I, Candy.
0: Also, yes. playground. <laughs> See, also your playground. See, <laughs> and this is perfect because she she literally wrote the book on all you soccer moms who think you could be a stripper. She literally wrote the book on it. I mean, physically. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you were the good Kinda. stripper. The, the a soccer mom's memoirs. That's I right. mean. So joining us, for, and we didn't even get a chance. Normally, I, I know where everybody's from, but joining us from Parts Unknown, I feel like Florida. I feel like, no, you're in Canada. You're in I'm Canada. in
1: Canada. I'm in Toronto, Canada. From Montreal originally, but from Toronto. i living okay,
0: in Toronto. So, so you need this first.
1: What?
0: You to have your applause. Everybody gets applause.
1: I didn't hear that. Oh,
0: okay. Why is my applause not going through it? Somebody tell me if you're hearing my applause. Guests aren't hearing my applause for some reason. That's bothering me. I wonder if I messed something up because you're not the first person here of late to be like, I didn't hear that. And I'm wondering <laughs> if, I mess, if I mess something up.
1: It's well, the thought theory. that counts. I appreciate the The thought.
0: See, I'm hearing it in my headphones, but you're not <laughs> hearing it. So that's not a good thing. I got to figure out what's going on there. That's going to upset me. That's a whole entire another thing, though. But all that being said, and Toronto's like the one Canadian city I want to go to. Oh, there's so many. There's
1: so I, but many. See, I've,
0: been Montre- I've been to Montreal. Mm-hmm.
1: And,
0: and, mm, Montreal, Quebec, right. Quebec, right. Quebec, Kaibec Uh, I love Letter Kenny. I just want you to know that. I'm mm-hmm. a big Letter Kenny fan. Um, but I want to go to Toronto because you guys have like one of the coolest comic book stores on the planet, the oh. Silver Snail. Oh
1: the Silver Snail. All right. We have a lot of cool things. Canada's and I hear it's like cool.
0: super clean. Here's a super clean city.
1: Compared like to New York, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not a really high bar to, yeah. No, Toronto's yeah. fantastic. We've got a lot of amazing, amazing things. But so is Vancouver. So is the East Coast. If you're gonna come here, you might as well do the whole thing.
0: All right, and all right. So we'll, the, the, Nate's already at it. Nate, give me a second. I'll ask questions for you in a moment. I gotta let me finish our opener. So let's get into it. So we can talk all about Marcy and what she's got going on. <laughs> As always, folks, over my right shoulder, if you're watching the live, we've got our big board for sticker and a cause. If you've got something you believe in, maybe you wrote a book and you've got a sticker for it, or you have your own podcast, you're in the paranormal like Nate is, whatever it is that you're into, reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, All any one of those locations. It's all the above the bar podcast. Let oh, excuse me Let me know what you got going on. I'll tell you where to send it to. You send me out out the sticker. I'll read about it live on the air. You'll get a little bit of publicity. Everybody grows all at the same time. Now, then we got to talk about our sponsors. Now, they, this company is international. Did you know that, Marcy? I'm going to tell you about our, our, our sponsors. They're international. Budget Blinds. Specifically, though, it's Budget Blinds of Hudson and Kukasaki, New York, and Budget Blinds. You're not far from me either. And Budget Blinds of uh, East Greenbush. Both of the, these companies... They're here to help you out with your window treatments. It's that time. It's getting a little bit colder. We're all thinking about staying warm. It's probably already snowing in Canada, I imagine. Like, that's what I feel like. Like, they start snowing in July up there. Um, So make sure that you can reach out to them right now through the month of October. They're still giving 25% off your entire order on select products. But they're also changing up their donation. Normally, they do... All their donations go to Wounded Warrior. If you refer somebody and that person purchases, they'll either give you a $50 gift card or they'll uh, make an f- additional donation to Wounded Warriors. Well, for the month of October for breast cancer awareness, they are actually mm. on women's programs, an organization called Women's Veteran Alliance, who helps women as they're transitioning out of the services, helps them as they're uh they're if they're small business owners they've already done over a hundred thousand dollars in donation to small uh, women-owned businesses that are veteran-owned anything that you can think of that a is focused on female needs transitioning out of the services or veterans which look as somebody who spent 20 years myself in the service i can promise you we don't do enough we focus very heavily on on male needs but we do not do enough for our female veterans at all, uh, you want to talk about a marginalized within a marginalized group, uh, female veterans need all that support. So make sure you reach out to budget blinds of East Greenbush or budget blinds of Hudson and Cooksake, New York. Let them know you're there to belly up to the bar. They'll take good care of you and 25 percent off your entire order. All right, Marcy, it's all done.
1: <laughs>
0: all the house is done with. All right. Let,
1: let's do it.
0: And I know it probably confused a hundred people where he's like, did he say stripper soccer mom? That was your book. (laughs) You know, and look, folks, it's Marcy W-A-R-H-A-F-T W-A-R-H-A-F-T.com. If you want to find all all the stuff she's got going on. But hi, Marcy.
1: Hi.
0: (laughs) You can't see what I see because you're not watching the live right now, folks. Marcy has a smile that goes ear to ear right now. She looks very happy. She has her book o- over the her uh her oh. right shoulder. Left left shoulder, I guess left for you. Uh yeah. But hold on, hold on. I gotta what is George talking about? Canada has the best peanut butter craft. <laughs> we don't get it oh. here in the States. What oh, do you, you mean we don't? don't get craft peanut butter? You don't? I feel like we we I how do we not have craft? But they have ketchup chips, which is just so odd to me.
1: We do have ketchup and all dressed, which is odd to me. We have a lot of good stuff
0: you're, here. I mean, yeah. if you're going to be stuck in a house though for a long time, you got to have good snacks. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's cold. You're not. I mean, it is cold.
1: Not now. Now it's really hot. Actually, unusually hot. But give us a give us a week.
0: Yeah, give it a give it a week. <laughs> it, it'll <laughs> it'll look, again. we're not much better down here in New York. Uh, we, we get all we we True. we just it just kind of falls down. My Canadian friends always sneak some back for me, but George, I got to ask you this because now we're on for peanut butter in a second. This goes into fitness. Peanut butter is a great post-workout protein. Uh, Used to eat like a big spoonful of it after I worked out. Here's one for you, George. Have you had Saratoga peanut butter and Saratoga peanut butter does one called monkey boy. Listen to me, Marcy. Are you listening? I'm listening. This is the most amazing peanut butter. It's first off. It's a natural peanut butter that you don't have to mix for 45 minutes. She has to get all the oil yeah. down into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. But but their monkey boy has chunks of raisin in it and banana flavor.
1: Okay. I'm not sure that that's a selling point for everybody. Listen, you, have you I ever had you peanut butter lost. and banana sandwiches? Yes. But the raisins are throwing me. Oh, my God. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. How and they do, spi- they, do, um,
0: they do a – they do they do a – they do a – like a cayenne pepper peanut butter, too.
1: Okay. It's right. good.
0: It's so good. He He's is loving it, this craft. George is all is about it, some craft.
1: Is it sold next to the cannabis stores for some? Is it? We, have, we have those. We have so those. So do we. But I, I know. Yours are interesting, though.
0: Kind of- you know what I like about yours, though? So I went into one of yours uh, in Montreal. I Look, no shame on my game. Um, uh, And I was like, hey, think it was a group of us. I was like, hey, do you have edibles? And you guys don't really sell edibles in Canada. And I kind of like, I respect the the reasoning because they were like, hey, it looks like too much of a product that could be marketed to kids. So right. it they're very difficult to find. And I was like, you know what? I respect that completely. You know,
1: we're very cautious here.
0: I'm, oh, you guys are, you know, <laughs> you and your your man, Trudeau, he's hey no
1: politics let's get to the oh
0: god he's just so fun (laughs) to make fun of you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he you know especially when he thought he was going to be a boxer the boxing thing he's not for
1: everyone he's not you can't tell me the
0: boxing thing wasn't funny though come on
1: no no i'm a big i'm a big ufc mma fan so i'm
0: yeah i finally got my wife into it a little bit Mm. she was so i grew up watching a lot of boxing Folks, this show has nothing to do with all these things we're just I know less we gotta turns. get to
1: me soon okay go we're on. gonna get to Mar- Marcy now
0: but <laughs> but I I got my wife to watch it but so mm-hmm. so all right so you're up in Canada Let, let's get the backstory on Marcy to where how we get to where we are now fit versus fiction and where how we get from OG Marcy to today
1: mm. where, all does right. the,
0: where does this journey start at
1: There's so many parts to me. I mean, I don't even know where you want to, what part do you want to, I don't, uh, okay. Here's
0: where I'm going to start. So when I, when I was getting, you know, when, when we were getting introduced to each other and I was looking up your bio and everything, you know, one of the things that I, that I picked up on was, and this isn't all the way at the beginning, but you've done like, you've got awards for your book. You've done a, a lot of TV spots. And that I was watching your even the video that you you posted today uh, when I was looking at that that video. You've done a lot of things, but it seems like you put yourself out there and let everybody know who you are and what you got going on. And then all of a sudden you catch haters like a lot. I don't understand it. So like when you were first getting all these TV spots, when the book came out, what was a lot of that focused on?
1: So there are two parts to me and to my story. So you've got the so I've done a lot of TV and I've done a lot of media, but for two different things. And I've got two different books. So okay, the first part that we're talking about and and the video that I put out today when I got a lot of hate when I was doing an interview on Fox, go figure. Um, that was oh, for I, just- I now shocking. That was for my body image stuff. But I I, I released the book back in two 2000- thousand nine-ish called the Body Image Survival Guide for Parents. And that was when I had spent decade, literally decades dealing with very severe negative body image and a severe body image disorder and eating disorder, really, really severe. And it had controlled my life for the better part of 20, 25 years and really controlled my life and destroyed my life for a, a big part of it. And then I went into recovery i was already i was married at the time i had two toddlers and i went into recovery and i came out of that and when i first came out of it i thought i never want to think about body image again and quickly realized okay that i need to move to some island where they don't have any anybody else any society any tv any because it's just it's so pervasive it's just it's right. everywhere and everything also i had two little kids who were in elementary school. And I felt that the messages that they were getting at their school about health were really dangerous. Everything that was health focused was about weight and not about weight as gaining weight, losing weight. It was all about the way to be healthy is to lose weight and to cut calories and don't eat this and don't eat that. And there were, I was seeing even at that age, a lot of kids were becoming afraid of food and becoming obsessed with their bodies. And because I had spent so much of my time and my life and had lost out on so many uh, opportunities and experiences and adventures because I was so obsessed with, with how I looked and never feeling like I was thin enough or pretty enough or anything enough, I couldn't stand to watch other kids go through what I went through or to watch parents watch their kids go through that. Like my mother had watched me go through that and feel so out of control and helpless. So I went to my kid's school and I said, I, I don't like the messages that they're being given. I'd like to give a different one. I had never spoken about <laughs> it. I had nothing planned. I was just mad. And that's right. what, <laughs> that's what I do. And the principal said, OK, come in on Friday. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, huh? What? And so I was like, what do I do? So I, I took a bristle board and I put some pictures and some talking about sort of my history with, with Overtraining and under eating, and then overeating and undertraining, and um, all that Photoshop and all this stuff. And I just went in and spoke to the eighth graders. And it was so amazing because what I found was I didn't speak at them, I spoke with them. And I found that they had so much that they wanted to share. They, these were kids who were dying to talk about the stuff that they were experiencing just even at that age. And what was unexpected to me was they started telling their siblings and their friends and their parents. And then another school would call me to speak and then another school. And then it just became a thing. And that's how I created fit versus fiction was because there is a difference between being fit and just looking fit. And, and I think the biggest problem is that our society confuses physical appearance with physical fitness.
0: And I would agree with that
1: because physical appearance is how my body looks to you. Physical fitness is how my body feels to me. There's a difference in how our bodies look and how our bodies work. And I think we put too much of an emphasis on how they look. And and I know I'm somebody who was bodybuilding and who I didn't care how it worked. I didn't care how healthy it was. I didn't care how I felt. I just wanted to look a certain way. And that's a lot of kids were putting themselves at risk. So because I was so outspoken at the time, this is before Facebook, we're talking 2007-ish, 2006, 2007. So there weren't any body positivity groups. There weren't, there. you weren't getting, nobody was talking about this, but I was. So I would see something on TV that I thought was unhealthy and I would call the station or email the station. I'd hear something on the radio that I thought was unhealthy and I would call. <laughs> and so I was asked to speak, to speak, um, to, to go onto the show to talk about it or to go onto the radio program because nobody wanted to talk about eating disorders because it's not glamorous, it's not right. sexy. But I was like, well, I'm gonna do it. So I became sort of the go-to. Now, to go back to your original question with the hate, where does the hate come from? Well, anytime you speak about something that makes other people uncomfortable or goes against what they've been brought up to believe, it's going to piss people off. So I was saying, you can't always tell how fit someone is by how they look. People didn't like that. I was talking about how dieting is unhealthy. People didn't like that. Because that is what they're told their whole life. So if they hear something different it makes them uncomfortable and people don't like being uncomfortable and no, no how dare
0: at, how dare you tell me that what I've known my whole life and my mom told me is wrong How dare exactly you? exactly
1: and so in that particular video that I was talking about today I was asked I had written an article for Huffington Post and I had asked, was asked to go on to Fox and Geraldo Rivera had a show and they I remember I was, it was it was very deceiving, and they they brought me on and to talk about the whole thing of fit versus fiction. But it was really a setup, and they had me on debating this other woman, and it was just ridiculous. But the comments that I got from from their viewers about how dare you speak about fitness, you're obese, and you're too fat to talk <laughs> about fit. I mean, I mean, it was it was wow ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it was ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's that. I mean, let's be honest that is that audience that is a very upset audience i think all of them like if you watch any of the major news networks msnbc cnn fox uh any of those like they're just you are angry people if you watch that i watch my local news because i want to know what the weather's going to be like today i want to know like where's the rescue puppy at (laughs) I hear you. So, but now let me ask this question though. So when you're talking to these kids, I want to kind of go back to that for a second. So a lot of uh, most Americans, most people, when, when you, and look, you're uh, an attractive woman. Here's an attractive woman saying body image, body image.
1: Mm.
0: How many young boys, because I'm going to tell you as a man who I did, like I said, 20 years in the Marine Corps, I'm only five foot eight. When I went to boot camp, I was 127 pounds and I grew up watching He-Man, Thundercats, GI Joe, um, Mm -hmm. what was the one, Silverhawks, where every single person that was drawn, I read comics, still read them to this day, where everyone is drawn with like the baddest striation you've ever seen in their muscle tone. So for, for me as a man, we think that this is a woman's issue, body image. As a man, either I need to be completely ripped or I need to look like a lumberjack at six foot six and pushing Mm -hmm. trees down. What were some of the, were were you getting young boys to respond or were they like, not me, I'm no punk?
1: Oh no, huge for boys. And and, and the huge misconception that boys aren't um, impacted by this. I did seminars that were strictly for male students. I did seminars strictly for parents boys who had their own issues what's so sad about it is that we don't think it's a boy issue because we don't give boys the the safety or the vocabulary to express how they're feeling well it's no fun to walk down a, ha- a hallway at, at school and hear a girl say i feel fat today at least they'll express it you're not going to hear that from a boy so oftentimes it comes out in disruptive behavior it comes out in dangerous behavior. Maybe messing up at school maybe drugs maybe alcohol but low self-esteem will come out they just won't express it the same way and exactly like you said there's so much pressure that people don't understand i mean i used to do part of my workshops uh my, my fit versus fiction workshops is that i would show pictures of bodybuilders very famous bodybuilders bodybuilders who had won mr universe or those things and i had about eight pictures and i would ask these boys what do you think they have in common?" me one thing they have in common two things they have in common and they say they're tanned or they've got big muscles or whatever and i'd say yes also they've all won huge championships and they all died young and they all died young from the training that went into making them look healthy and that was that example of you can't tell on the inside what's going on but also the pressure for boys is also as you said they get up from two ends there were times if you look back at supermodels let's say back um, in the 80s when it was the, the big built six pack and all that and then there was a time when it was almost this androgynous very thin weight oh, yes. for, for boys so there were a lot of boys i would hear in high school who were suffering because either they were teased because they were too big they were too fat they weren't skinny enough or they were too small and they weren't muscular enough and that is really tough because again you're growing you're changing there's there's we put so much pressure Another issue is if you look at school, uh, TV shows about schools or just with teenagers, very, very rarely, back then at least, a few years ago, were teenage boys on TV shows played by teenage boys. So I remember having a parent come to me and tell me that their 12-year-old was freaking out because they didn't have a six-pack like Jacob from Twilight. And it's like, because they weren't, or there was a character on the, um, there was a a revamped 90210. Yes, I remember that. So there was a character on there who played an 18-year-old. He started playing it when he was 30.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that's the, the thing they do. Or or what's the other one? Um the the stereotype of the fit kids are the they're the smartest. They're everyone likes them. Look at this guy. He's so fit. But the fat kids jump. And he's got his skinny friend with with his greasy hair who's lazy. And it's, you know, that even goes back to uh, Power Rangers. Like if you ever watched the Power Rangers episodes, it was always the the fit kids everyone liked. And then there was the other two kids that were kind of a Laurel and Hardy looking characters Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. one was fat and -hmm. was like a bully and the other one was skinny and they tried to be cool, but they couldn't do it because they just weren't, and it was always. It's funny that you you mentioned this as I'm thinking about it. It's, it. it's their body image is what depicted who they were as characters.
1: Right. Same thing with cartoons. There are a lot of cartoons that you'll see where you'll have the characters who are bigger or who are, um yeah, who who just who who are the lazier ones or the the comic relief, and then you have the ones that are like He Man, and I mean it's. People think it is such a non-issue. It's not a big deal, but it gets it gets really into your brain. I remember when I started these workshops of women saying to me, Yes, my six-year-old goes around the house pointing at her belly and saying, I'm fat, but we all do it. It's not a big deal. I'm like, but it is a big deal. <laughs> it's become like a white noise. We're so used to hearing ourselves and other people put ourselves down. We're so used to it that when we hear someone say, Oh, I feel I look pretty good, then it seems like, What's her problem? You know, especially right. well
0: that's the, the hater camera. that's the haters of the world. Uh see, this is why I love Eric. Eric says he just bellies up to the bar, no six pack here. <laughs> Cause that's we belly up to the bar here. So I love you, Eric. But yeah, so so now in all this, so you're you're out there, you're you're putting this out, and by this by this point, the fit versus fiction, were there any books out? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I were there any books.
0: Out like so. So when you first went in and you went to that first eighth grade class and it was like you showed up on a Tuesday. and All right. Friday class is yours. Good luck and Godspeed. Was there any books out? Had you done any of this yet?
1: No, I did nothing.
0: <laughs> OK, so let me ask this question. So the first book and folks, all Marcy's stuff is on Marcy and it's M-A-R-C-I Marcy and then Warhalf, Warhaft W-A-R-H-A-F-T.
1: That's a lot of my counseling, but Amazon. Go to Amazon. Oh, Amazon. And for, she actually yeah.
0: audios her own book. She audios her own book.
1: My good stripper book is. Uh, yes, I do the, the audio so, from the good stripper. So, mm-hmm.
0: so you, you write this book, the good stripper, soccer that's, mom's memoirs.
1: Yeah, that's later. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but that wasn't the first book.
1: No, no. the first okay, book was so body was image, and then as a whole, the body image book was first. Then there was a whole lifetime. And then it was the good
0: stripper. Cause I'm curious, like you, here you are. People are recognizing you as, Hey, this is the fit versus fiction lady. This is, she's out there doing this mm-hmm. and you know, and, and you're presenting this. When mm-hmm. does, <laughs> I mean, it? you got the name of the, the title. I'm not going to lie. Like when you sent me the message, like, Hey, I'd like to be on your show. And I read that title. I was like, well, some bits I'm going to need to know more about. that. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. Cause it like good titles are catching. That's look, you can take it, yeah. You can have the most amazing book, and if your title sucks, no one's reading it. You mm-hmm. have an amazing title there, mm-hmm. and, and it. so. Did that Did the stripper piece happen before the fit versus fiction? And like, no uh-huh. one knew this, mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, so I see now that's what I'm curious. Like, we folks, okay. go read the book. I don't, I don't want to hear all about the book. I'm actually more curious about yeah. like you're going through and you've built this fit versus fiction empire. You're going to schools, you're telling people, you know, kids all this stuff. And then this book comes out. Yes. What was that reaction? Right I don't know about That.
1: Yeah. Well, it was there was a long time coming. That's why it took so long. Well, that's the thing. So I did. I had before okay. So I I started my whole body image journey, let's say, when I was 17. I had really good self-esteem until then, went through a traumatic experience, lost my older brother, set me in a spiral and The only thing I could control was my body, hence the eating disorder. Okay. Now having negative body image, having really low self-esteem, low self-worth, it's really, it sets you up for a lot of, ooh, negativity moving forward. I was very susceptible to being manipulated by life, by people, by situations. Um, I lost a lot of people in my life quite young. I didn't have a lot of support and I made a lot of mistakes. dealt with a lot of bad things um as a result what had happened was it's like i kind of said earlier when we were talking about that marcy's playground thing i found that my way of coping with with difficult situations was through my body whether it was food or for me it was food and sex Uh, i found two things that i still find very enjoyable and pleasurable but that at the time um you could also abuse yourself with both and and i did and i got myself into some some difficult situations um i also uh was married and uh my marriage went through an interesting twist and turn of events which you can read about but i was married two little kids needed to make some money um was feeling very unworthy um, needed some attention wanted to uh, find some validation through my body and sexuality and i started dancing stripping, let's tell it like, like it is. Um, Now I didn't do it for a long time. The dancing part was, was just for a few months, but it was a significant few months. And that was just the starting point. I mean, things got darker from there. I kind of wish it had stopped with the dancing.
0: And that's all in the book.
1: That's all in the book. Yeah. I'm very, listen, I'm, I decided, and I just wrote it a couple of years ago. And I decided that when I was going to write it, if I was going to write it, I was going to write it. Like there's no holding back. It's, it's, it's all in there. Cause that's how I am. I'm a go big or go home kind of gal. So I, uh, but what happened was, so then I, I managed to get myself out of this life and went into recovery for my the, the eating disorder and all of that and got healthy and became this spokesperson and all of that. But the problem was I had never dealt with what I felt were the shameful things I had done, the guilt attached to things I had done when I was going through my traumas. So I carried a lot of shame. And the problem with that was that I let that guide my decisions moving forward. So I kept myself in situations that weren't healthy. I kept myself in situations that weren't respectful, where I deserved better, but I didn't know that I deserved better. Um, and e- while I was teaching people how to feel good about themselves, I felt, started to feel very hypocritical because I felt like I was carrying so much shame and, and I felt like I was such a bad person because I had done things in my past. And oh my God, what if my kids find out things that I had done and oh my gosh what if I'm what if I'm doing an interview on tv and then somebody calls up and goes well I know the truth about I mean I was I lived with this for like over a decade and then I meet somebody new and I think well when do I have to tell them and how much do I have to tell them or what are they going to think and it was really setting me up for some bad situations again because I at this point a few years ago about seven years ago I left my marriage and I got divorced and I was I was getting myself into situations, relationships that I knew weren't right for me. But I thought, well, if this person cares about me and they know a little bit about my past, I should just be grateful, right? Because I'm not really lovable. So I should just be grateful for what I can get kind of thing. And then I hit a point where I was turning 50. And I thought there's more-
0: stop. Hold on, Pause. (laughs) You're not fucking 50. So save that.
1: No, I'm 53. I'm
0: 53. Get the fuck. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <You're funny. Go>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i am 53 and proud of every year okay so
0: okay go ahead I, i'm i'm calling like, bullshit okay. on the 53 but go ahead
1: <laughs> so i thought, okay there's more years behind me than ahead of me i'm done hiding i'm done being ashamed i'm done worrying about what are people going to think i'm done living half of me because i'm a big Person, Like I'm a, I'm a big personality and I was hiding that because I was afraid of people figuring out more. And I said, I'm done with that. And I decided that I was going to tell all, to free myself. Instead of worrying about people coming to me and saying, Hey, I know what you, I was going to be like, Yep, this is what I did. This is who I am. And I decided to put it into a book. And I had a couple of friends who knew some of my story that, but they were telling me to write a book for a long time. And I thought, Oh, who's going to care? And then I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I put it all in this book, and I will tell you that um, the only people I cared about their their opinion of it were my children, who were late teens at the time. Um, and I thought, but then I thought, here's the thing: I had finally gotten to a point where I wasn't I wasn't ashamed anymore. I realized that I dedicate my book, so it's The Good Stripper, a soccer mom's memoir of lies, loss, and Laugh dances and it's dedicated
0: the best title. To... <laughs> I'm telling you, I love the title.
1: <laughs> we'll read the book. It's dedicated to anyone who may be struggling to forgive themselves for the mistakes they made when they were just trying to survive, because I realized that's all I was doing. And I got to the point where I'd spent so much of my life criticizing myself for how I survived that finally, I got to the point where I was proud of myself for the fact that I had survived and it didn't matter what that looked like it didn't matter if it was dirty or messy or unpleasant the fact was that I got to the other side and there was so much power in that and what I decided was I I was done being ashamed and the hard part was going through it that's the painful part being judged for how I went through it that wasn't going to hurt me if I survived everything I went through being judged for it Nah, I wasn't afraid of that anymore. And when it came to my children, my thing was I'd finally gotten to the point where, let's just say they were upset with me for what I'd done or upset with me for talking about it. I was even going to be okay with that. It would have been difficult. Right. But I felt confident enough that as they got older, they would understand and it was important for me to be honest. And luckily they were, from the get go, they were phenomenal about it. I mean, they were just like, we're in your corner. You have our support. Like they
0: were you, so
1: fantastic. They, absolutely. So, absolutely. They've so they, they they never like wavered.
0: Yeah. I, I got it. You know, I think I fixed this. Tell me if I fixed it. It was like <laughs> <"Mrow." laughs> not get to clapping. Well, I want to give you some clapping because you know what? I think one of the things that you're saying that I think, I'll, and I, I recently had this conversation with a very close person to me. Who was like, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my past, and this, that, and the other. You know, I wish I this, and I wish I that. And I said, stop. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be here with me today if you wouldn't have made those mistakes, and you survived those mistakes, and you carry them as your benchmark. I used to tell this to people with the, to young Marines. Boot camp is your benchmark for you. That part of your life, making it through that, you gauge everything in your life off of that mark. You, you have kind of like that's your watermark on the wall where you go, hey, I made it through here. Everything else is a little bit easier. Everything else and being able to feel comfortable enough to tell that story mm. is so impressive to me because I think most of us have stories that we we can't we can't verbalize. 100%. We we were worried what someone's going to think of us because of it. And we've already, you know, I heard this recently. I loved it. Fear is the, is your impression of the future. It hasn't even happened yet. You can't even know what, absolutely. It's your impression of that. And that's what keeps us most of us from doing
1: That's it. That's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking, because I always say it's the fear that was holding me back. It wasn't what I had done. It was the, fear over what I had done being exposed that was keeping me back. And so once I released that and I let that fear go, what happened was not, like nothing bad happened. I, I waited, I released the book and I waited for the world to end. I waited for, for everything to explode.
0: And it it's all coming happen. down now. It
1: didn't oh. happen, you know, that's the thing. And so it's so sad when we let fear Hold us back from things because it's I was the one I was so afraid of people judging me but I was the one judging me I was doing that and then the minute I really you don't know I had so much support I had so many people I still to this day have people messaging me every day saying thank you for sharing that because I don't feel so alone there are people who look not everyone's going to relate to every part of my story because it's some pretty crazy things in there but, there, but people relate to different parts of it. And it, it, the worst thing is when you have done something or experienced something and you feel like you're the only one and you feel like you're a bad person because of that. And then you hear somebody else has done it and you go, oh, wait, what? They didn't, oh, so maybe maybe it's not so strange or maybe I'm not so bad. And you, and God, there's, it's so liberating. And so we need that support. The more The more of us that can talk about it and say, I've done this, and it, it, it may have been, you know, I would say the good, the bad, and the very ugly, but I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm better than I, than I ever was. Cause I'm so me now, if I can't be me now, when the hell am I going to be me? You know? Oh,
0: now I got to ask you the left turn and, and Shane, I agree with Shane. Those moments build the bridge to the person you, you become absolutely. Um, to make you feel great. Scott says he would have guessed you were 38. <laughs> I mean, Scott's oh. going there. And then uh George says, no effing way on your age. So we all think you're lying. But here's going to be your left turn question in all okay. this is, did you ever get somebody? And like I said, I, I, I take this as a very unisex question <clears throat> who goes, you really got up there and did that? You, mm. you did that? I, I wanted to do that. I'm so scared to do that. But they like from a body image. Okay. Staying with the body image for a second. Male or female. That was like, I, f- I feel like I could do it you know, like guys being like the full Monty, like I could do the full Monty. They're doing a series on that. But uh, like, did you ever have anybody who was like, oh my gosh, I always wanted to do that. Not the dark side to it, but like the like, think there's a glam side to it.
1: Well, I mean, think about it. What's super popular now is is pole dancing classes. I think, I think, but here's the thing. So yes, absolutely. I think that there is this little fantasy that, that a lot of women have. And I think those pole dancing classes are amazing. I think what people have to realize though is there's the big difference between going to a class with a bunch of really supportive women and dancing around a pole and then going home to whatever and
0: <laughs> right
1: tuck, tucking your kids in at night, driving to a club, getting naked, riding around on strangers' laps, driving home, taking a shower, getting up to be with your kids the next day. There's a, there's a very big difference between the two. So I think it's great that women do get to, and I think they should, I think if you're curious about anything, go to one of those classes, like explore that part of you. Absolutely. And they are, they are very encouraging and and fun, but there is, there's a, there's a,
0: there's a a difference. difference. It's, it's it's the, uh, Hey man, I'm pretty comfortable with a firearm. I go to the range all the time. Yeah. Well, let's bring your ass out here and let's go do some live, live fire drills. Huh? Yeah, like yeah, we're going to go ahead full 782 gear and you're going to crawl through some mud with live rounds going over your head and then you're going to shoot. But I don't I don't What? what? Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. No, it's uh, yeah, yeah, there's walking on a tight rope with a net underneath and then there's just kind of going between buildings. Yeah, to,
0: doing mountains. the Niagara Falls walk. <laughs> so, so you're going through this, you you release the book, but you're very active on social media. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I went and looked now that you're kind of and I don't want to say the backside, but now that like the books out there, both books fit and fiction is is fit versus fiction is out there. People know who you are. They know what what you're about. What kind of traction is it getting or what kind of vibes do you get now that kind of I always think when when we have a story like that's so private to us like that and we give it to the world the world goes oh my gosh that's that's amazing squirrel and then it kind of like disappears for a moment do you still get that or are you happy now that you have that like cuz okay, now it's, okay. it's off.
1: Well here's the thing so writing the book was one thing you know writing a book and finishing a book is great finding out it's going to be published is a whole other thing which is amazing realizing that people are going to read it is a whole other thing right and and I still say this to this day I mean I I walked into a pub yet just recently. And this guy was like, Hey, I just got your audible. And I'm like, great. Oh my God. You're going to learn a lot about me. Like I always said, you're going to learn a lot about me. Um, So when I realized people are reading it and I was getting a lot of messages from people, it's, it takes a second. Um, But then the great thing about this kind of thing is that because I did expose literally, so much about myself, <laughs> and because because um, I am so oh, I'm so open about myself. It it really opened the door for me to just keep doing that. And I really feel like because I shared so much about myself in my book and really no holds barred kind of thing. Now, when it comes to posting stuff or doing stuff, I don't think oh should I not do what are and now I'm like oh, listen they already know about this so I might as well. So it's, it's, it hasn't stopped because I haven't stopped, because I keep evolving. So now my thing is, if you've seen on social media, I, I've always danced. See, dancing, it's not, it's not shocking that I dance. It's shocking that I dance in public naked, but it's not shocking that I get. That's always been my release. And so I'll walk down the street. I don't even walk down the street. I dance down the street. Everyone in my neighborhood knows the crazy dancing someday. lady. I mean, it's just nuts. However, now I will dance, um, I I danced at our Rogers Center the other day right after Blue Jays baseball game with a sign saying dance with me and I put on music and strangers came and danced with me I dance in stores I dance I dance in fountains I dance in malls I just I dance everywhere I never would have and I'll say to a friend of mine who who records for me all the time I'm always like how am I not embarrassed I would be so a year ago I would have been embarrassed but I have no shape because it feels good to me and so and people are, are, I just do it for me, but people reach out to me and say, now I have people who say to me, I can't dance because I'm going through this illness or because I had this surgery or because I, I, I'm i too shy, but I like watching your videos because I get to live vicariously through you. Could you oh. dance to this song for me? I had a gentleman who from Australia who is battling cancer. And he asked me if I could dance to an Australian singer. And I danced through a fountain for him, fully clothed to um, a oh. Kylie Minogue song. So it, So my point is that because once I removed the chains, let's say, from myself and I became free, it's let me do so many more things and connect with so many more people. And so I'm not limiting myself. And so the connections that I'm making lead to more and more things. So what awesome. what I have is I'll have, if you were to say to me, and I, I've had people say, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? And my kids would say, ask where Rachel sees yourself in five minutes because I, I don't know. I don't know I've learned, but it's true. And anyone who knows it really well knows not to ask me to make plans in two weeks. Cause I'm like, what? That's a lifetime. Cause I, my life is always it zigs and zags and I don't even know. So I take things literally moment by moment by moment. And I think that that's, that's scary for a lot of people. Um, but for me, anything else is terrifying. So that's I don't, nice. I don't know what's coming next, but I'm open to it.
0: And what it sounds like to me. And, and I, I, what i love about this and god i i have my i think we all do we have our things that i don't know if you know and people would say eh, murph will tell you anything you want to know about him i would i'd tell you anything you want to know but i'm not going to volunteer it and i think that your ability to volunteer it and put it out there like that is so impressive and i I don't say this on every episode. I always say, Hey, we're getting ready to close the bar here soon. We're, we're, we're getting ready for last call, but I'm going to promise you like, this is the fastest 45 minutes that I've had in a long time. I mean, because you have a lot of energy and there's a lot to this, but so, so what's the next steps in this journey for you as like, like you said, you know, I feel even more privileged that cause we scheduled this shit months ago. I'm, um, you i mean the fact that i was able to to hold you down and, and still have you on this day i must have done something right here but i mean <laughs> what is the next steps you know is it staying with with you know fit and fit versus fiction and like just running with that or is it like we're going to see entire series on on tiktok and ig called the fountain lady and it's just you dancing through fountains across the across the globe i mean what is
1: Oh, I mean, I'd like to continue to see where I go with the with the dancing stuff. It is it is fun, and I have been sort of promoting local businesses, and and that's a blast. There is some stuff happening with my book that I can't share just yet, but I'm hoping to move forward TV. with with TV, some of that movie?
0: TV or movie, TV,
1: movie? and uh, we'll Netflix? we'll do another podcast, and I'll Netflix? come back and share that stuff. Um, uh, but there's there's that's the thing. I'm taking things I'm taking things as they come, and uh, we'll see. I'll uh, just as surprised as you. <laughs>
0: can you maybe have an appearance on Letter Kenny? I mean, can we get you?
1: <laughs> I need
0: you to be on Letter Kenny. Listen to me? Okay, for-
1: let's figure out who to talk to.
0: I mean, look, six degrees of separation from everything. If True. you you don't understand, if I could get you on the Letter Kenny, first off, you would absolutely be perfect for that show. You have absolutely that Toronto, like you would be so perfect for that. And then I could be like, I had a Letter Kenny person on my show.
1: Uh, I'll do it for you. I'll do we it we saw. For you. We'll look, I've seen it.
0: the live stage. Letter Kenny, like, it's absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah,
0: they're hilarious. And those guys are. So, but but where do you? So I, I know we're we're talking about this, and you you don't know where it's going, but and there's some things in the works. Um, I I only have I do I told you what the rules were to the show. There is another rule, and I tell this to anyone who who ever hints at anything like this. The one rule is, at some point, somebody has to take me on the red carpet, like a legit red carpet. <laughs> My wife knows about it. My wife knows that this is a thing. Somebody has to take me on a legit red carpet so that the, the paparazzi can be like, "Who the fuck is this asshole? Why is he?" So your hall, carpet? your
1: hall pass is a red carpet. Well, it's not
0: right. a hall pass. Like we're not gonna go that part. We're not. It's well, I'm not just a hall saying. It,
1: but I'm saying. Well, I'm saying well, it's, like, instead the hall of pass,
0: it, it, <laughs> hall pass. pass is a whole another. Well,
1: I'm saying instead of you're going for a red carpet. Yeah, like
0: just okay. a red carpet walk. I'm looking for a red carpet walk.
1: Listen, like, like, it's listen, me it too. Out. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there
0: also. I'm putting it out there now. Okay. Like I even tell dudes this. Like, look, you just gotta take me on the red carpet. Like, I'm not asking for much. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, black people can just be like, who's this <laughs> asshole you're walking with? They're like, I don't know. It was some weirdo podcaster. And I took a bet and now I'm here. But so, but where do you want it? Like, do you want to focus and, and legit? Like, do you want to focus more on the fit versus fiction? I mean, you've been doing it. That sounds like how many years is that now? I mean, if your kids yeah. Were-
1: you know, I started that in 2007. Right, no, so you know what? I know I've evolved and I've changed. And I feel like there's a lot of people doing that now. And I feel like it's okay. in good hands. It's in good hands. Like I said, when I started, there wasn't, wasn't a the, thing. There, 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 it wasn't a thing. Now I focus on, I do a lot of resiliency coaching. So because of so, what, what is that? so so it's, it's, I would have a lot of people come to me after they read my book and say, okay, you survived this. How were you? How did you do it? How are you? How did you get over the shame? Because shame is such a big thing; it's such a, a common denominator with so many people. How did you get past the guilt? And so I help people do that. And so a lot of people will come to me, and I have a program that I design where I do help people sort of look at. And I, I'm very different. I'm I'm very anti cliche. Um, I I don't see things the way other people do. I don't I don't look at trauma the way other people look at trauma. I don't think it makes you stronger. I don't think. Uh, I don't I don't credit my trauma for making really? me who I am I don't at all well, do.
0: I, I, you gotta pause there because like yeah because I think that I'm gonna i gotta hear your bible bring it, on there, bring it. yeah because I feel like as a person who like I, I don't hide anything like I I always tell people like probably one of the craziest things that was ever said to me was like when people tell me oh, I'm sad and I'm depressed I laugh at them and that's probably a horrible thing because I have I a mother who was Clinically depressed, like legit, like Tarnacanasia from medications. I love my mother to death. But when you tell me, Oh, I'm sad and depressed. And I'm like, so for how many days did you not get out of the bed? Right. What? Yeah. So don't tell you're sad. You're not depressed. You're sad. You're having a bad day. So, but as a kid, I dealt with that. And I can still remember my mother saying to me as a teenager, um, if it wasn't for you, I'd have probably already ended myself. Mm. You want to mm-hmm. fuck trauma for a moment. Plug that into your head as a, as a teenager and mm-hmm. go, hey, that's some shit. Mm-hmm. No, but I also look at that and I go, I think to my day today that those items made me who I am. Those yeah. what we would call today a trauma. I just call it like it was a it was a thing. But so tell me why you don't think Because I feel like. Every every task, you know, M- Marine. What does not kill me makes me stronger. Yeah. Mm. It's, ah. Don't mm. do that. Don't do no. that. No, no. What? I don't.
1: No, Come on. I don't agree with that. Okay, so first, let's go with that one. Um, yeah. Every bad thing didn't make me strong. It made me tougher. It didn't make me okay. stronger. I was strong. I just define didn't
0: define the difference.
1: Much. Define the difference. I was I was strong before. I've always been strong. It made me my the bad shit I went through made me tougher it, it okay. gave me scar tissue it's it's not necessarily a good thing I, I trust it hardened, I, it hardened me okay. so I, I and I think that I would I would think I would still be strong without the bad stuff here's what I'm saying when, when people say that you know you credit a lot of people do credit their bad stuff with making them who they are today I tell you this my traumas didn't make me who I am my resiliency did. So okay. when I look back, when I look back at, at the little girl I was before, all the bad stuff started to happen to me. Okay. I was strong and feisty and confident. That was me as a little kid. I had that. I lost that when the bad things started happening. They didn't make me stronger. They took that away from me temporarily, but it was because I had that already. It was because I was implanted in me early on that I was able to fight back and come back, that when I was knocked down for the 18 millionth time, I was able to crawl back and get back up. It's not because of the bad things, it's in spite of the bad things. So I do not credit the bad things that happened with who I am. I was who I was. I came back to that because of my resiliency and I will not credit the bad things for the good things that I have. I get the credit for that. If anything, I credit my mom, who I lost young, who was phenomenal, and she put that into me. I credit my brother, who I lost even younger, for giving me that self-esteem. That was there. But I will never say that I, that I, I am who I am because of the bad stuff. That I, I'll tell you something also. There are people who say, oh, you appreciate the good stuff more when you've gone through bad stuff. I don't agree with that either, because I think that I carry sadness. I, I'm. A, I'm. You said it yourself. I'm an. I'm an energetic person. I'm a positive mm-hmm. person. But there is always a sadness in me for the people that I lost. There's always a hole in my heart. A few that will never. That will never heal. There's scar tissue there that will never. That will never heal. And so I'd like to think that I could appreciate good stuff without having bad. Bad stuff. I know. And I'll tell you something else. If, if, if in order to feel. Um, Maybe to, to to for something to be a million times better. Uh, if I had the bad stuff, I will take. I will enjoy it that much less to not have had to go through.
0: I get it. No, I get. I, I get that vibe. I I understand what you're saying. It calloused your mind to 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 things. It built your callous on, on your mind. But be more than happy to never have to have dealt with it to get to where you are today.
1: Look, I'll tell you something. So I remember what my brother died when I was 17, he was 21. And I remember my, people would say to my mother, who was the most loving, she was love personified till the day she died. And I remember people saying to her, oh, you know, it's terrible that your son died, but you must have so much empathy for other people. And she said, yeah, but I'd rather have my child. <laughs> I'd rather be less empathetic, you know, and that's the thing, yes, you know, I've, I've learned lessons and I'd rather have less lessons people when people anyone who's gone through stuff like difficult somebody will always say to them you're so strong right you're so strong you're so strong. and the thing is we're strong because we didn't feel safe we're strong because we had to be i would much rather be less strong and have felt safe for most of my life i would rather be less strong and feel safe i i would be very happy to never have anyone tell me that I'm resilient again, or that I'm, I would love to not. I, yes, I've you, proven I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong enough. I've proven it now. Like, got it. When do You're I, blind. when do I get to, when do I get to just breathe? But do you think people laugh? say
0: that though? Because they don't know what else to say. Like when I tell people I was, I, I was in the Marine Corps, they go, thank you for your service. And I only think in my head is like, listen ass you didn't go to boot camp you hung up on me when i was a recruiter and i called your house you were a pain in the you know you mm, talked yeah. shit you know not right. me not my kid you know save that shit like that's what goes through my head when i when i hear it and they may be absolutely legit but i'm very jaded because of my yeah. experience in that field but do you feel like and we're so god Marcy, I could probably talk to you for like hours because <laughs> this is amazing. But do you feel like maybe that's people's like, that's their go-to. Oh, that, that happened. You're so strong. Yeah, and, I, and they don't think it's a bad be, thing. They want to be like, in their mind, they're thinking like, dude, that's a lot of fucked up shit for one person to go through. Like, you're a badass. Congrats to you. But But nobody wants to say that out in public. We want to say out in public.
1: So people strong. say that. People say that. To me. Well, maybe they <laughs> people do. People say that to me. <laughs> you know no, I mean? but it's true. But there's nothing wrong with that, and that's the thing. I don't mean to say like there's nothing wrong when 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 people say that. When people say, um, "You're so strong." I mean, I appreciate that. I'm just saying that I think that people who are strong you can without it. Well, it's not that. I, it's not even that. I just think that that a lot of times there are people who are seen as strong who don't get the support that they need because people see them as strong. You know, it's like there's the old cliches of like. Check on your strong friends, check on your strong mm-hmm. friends, because, because it's the strong ones that sometimes, you know, we're, we're always strong and sometimes it's nice to, to not have to be.
0: Yeah. Strong. Don't, we don't want to be, we're, we're okay. We're okay. Not carrying all the weight or feeling like it. The other right. side is is not that we carry all the weight. It's okay to let us know, Hey, you're not carrying all the weight.
1: Right. It's okay. No. You know, you're still worthy. You're still great. If you, if you stumble a little bit, it's okay. If you don't feel okay, I'll, I'm very open about that too. When people see me dance on social media and stuff and they say, oh, you're happy all the time. I'm like, no, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> not at all. This, But this makes me happy. Right. So I do the thing, life gives us so many reasons to cry that we have to find reasons to laugh and sing and for me to dance. And so if there's no reason I create one,
0: That's <laughs> simple. Marcy, you are absolutely a blast to talk to. <laughs> We, I I think we I think we could have probably gone another hour, two hours, who knows? Cause there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. And look, folks, Marcy's got multiple books out. She's reading, she does the audio. do you do the audio audible? I did the
1: audible for no, just for the good stripper. On Amazon. Go to Amazon.
0: She's on Amazon. And then
1: message me and tell me what you think.
0: Yeah, it's, look, we're, you hear me say this every week, folks. I don't, you know, and Marcy doesn't want to hear this. I don't care if you read her book, but I care if you go in there and give her reviews. Like <gasps> you did read the book, so yes. go in there like you read the book. Give her five stars reviews. I know most of my audience. Some of you can't read. I've known you for a long time, Scott. I'm talking to you. I'm questioning it, <laughs> but you know, go in and give a review. Give give the 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 likes, the shares. Go find her on Instagram. Follow her on Instagram. It's Marcy M A R C I Warhaft W A R. H A F T, and it's a cool last name to Warhaft. Yeah. Listen to me, my last name is Warhaft. <laughs> you don't understand what you're getting into. This is Marcy Warhaft. Look yeah. look. I'll do it after <laughs> the show. I'll tell you a funny after the show. But you know, give <laughs> give, give Marcy all the, those likes and shares. It's important. It's how her message gets out. It's how people find her. You you think it sounds cliche? And I say this every week it is not cliche. It's how these algorithms work. Mm -hmm. Your likes, your shares, your follows, just like you've done for me. Take my show from when we started off and zero to one people would watch to, you know, 10, 20 people are watching a live episode to when I check this a thousand people have watched it. So taking the time, letting people know what's going on, it matters. If you, if you have somebody look, if you know somebody that you think is just, I don't think an Marcy, you might be one of the most interesting people I've talked to in a long yeah. time. Hey. If, you, if you think you got somebody as interesting as Marcy, make sure you're reaching out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even our emails, the Above the Bar podcast. It's all the same. Let me know what you got going on. Let me know what you have happening. Make sure you're checking out Marcy. Marcy's website is com. That's where she's got her all of her counseling, you go on Amazon, you just type in Marcy Warhaft. her books will come up. Now, Marcy, this is like episode, I think it's 203. I don't know. I get lost, like 203 or 204, something like that. And, Nate, you didn't ask your question. Let me do this for Nate real quick because we'll go over for a minute. Nate always asks us, He must have ran off to help his brother or something like that. What's your go-to meal? Like, I know you've had all this body stuff. Do you have a go-to meal?
1: Do you know my favorite thing in the world? Honestly, it's not a meal, but it's still my it? favorite thing. What is it? Fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh,
0: do you know that's my favorite? Can, do you know what my favorite Canadian thing is poutine? Poutine was smoked meat. Smoked meat.
1: Oh, I, that's very meat. Montreal. That's very Montreal. Poutine, I was in Montreal. Say a probably lot. poutine. Yeah,
0: I, I was in Montreal a lot. So, but I imagine that this is you know you've watched all the episodes, you've binged everything, you were prepared mm-hmm. completely. For Completely. all these, different, all these different elements. So, at the end of every episode, you know that we—and don't log off on me—that you know that we ask every guest, "What's the final word?" So, Marcy, what is the final word? Dance. All folks. Be sure to push your stool in. This has been a Second Front podcast presentation, found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found.